This is Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song by song podcast. Episode 029 In the Hall of the Mountain King Live. And I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And we have a live version of In the Hall of the Mountain King. Well, it's about what you'd expect from a live version of it. Uh, It fulfills the promise that it had on the album. Very lively, gives everybody a chance to have their own little part, and, well, fill some time in the concert, I guess. It does do that. I like the studio version better. Bev Bevan, in his book, said that he doesn't like live albums. And this is why I don't like live albums. Most of the songs on live albums are ones we just heard. Sometimes there's a little something extra like the Do You Break in 105.38 Overture. But for the most part, you get the same songs you already have on other albums. The only difference is there's a stadium echo and an audience. This makes live albums pointless for the fans and needless for the people who aren't deep into the group. I know that they say with great art, you get a, the limitations that you have to work with define how well you can do. And I know in a live situation, you obviously can't do it like it was in the studio. And I don't mind that in live versions if they do a completely different version of a song. I know this song started out as a live bit before the studio version, but the studio version is far superior This is a song that should sound big, overblown, a massive sonic assault that blows you away. That's something you can't get in a live version with the configuration of ELO. Which is why they had to use backup tapes from the studio for it in the beginning where overdubbed violins are shivering over the cello plucks. So it's, um, it doesn't hold up for me as well as it does in the studio version. It sounds like something to get the audience riled up and get them stomping along to it. And you can just imagine all those white wing tips and bell bottoms and huge lapels just getting themselves all riled up for uh, what's going to come next in the concert. Yeah, which the audience doesn't know. That's been the weird thing about this album. I like the remakes that they do on this album much more than the ELO originals that are done live here. I don't know, I just... The live versions of the ELO originals, they're fine. They're okay. But, you know, it just seems like maybe they're having more fun doing the cover versions because I'm sure they've probably played all these ELO songs a lot. I think the cover versions are a bit easier for them to play, too, simply because they can do it more as a group and it doesn't really require as intricate as a sound as it would for the studio. I was looking at the Jeff Lynne song database to see exactly how much of this concert was missing. 
and the album itself is missing the entire first side of On the Third Day, plus Ma 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 Bell, which, saying how the original release of this was very muddy and not really well received, and didn't start really getting any attention until a remix version came out with the actual tapes that Jeff Lynne wanted to use. I wonder how bad those versions had to be to where they decided to just cut this down to a single album instead of putting all that on there. Because that would explain, because I was wondering, like some other people were wondering, is why this album was almost all covers. Yeah. Did they just go around touring and doing all covers? Well, no, this was a tour for On the Third Day, and they did almost all of On the Third Day. Well, actually, yeah, they did basically all of On the Third Day, (laughs) except for about Dreaming of 4,000. That's what I was about to ask. During the concert, and most of it is missing, so I'm wondering how badly they translated the songs when they were doing this. I mean, it probably would have been fine if you were there. Mm Mm-hmm. But trying to get that intricate studio sound to come through on stage, I wonder if there was a reason that Jeff Lynne really didn't want a lot of that on there. Because I know he had pretty much had final say on this. It's just that his final say just didn't get released the first time around. Oh, did it? Because from what I've read, it was Warner Brothers who said, we're putting this out. Because I think it like came out two weeks after the concert. So it was like Warner Brothers says, we're putting this album out in Germany and a couple other countries. You can stick up a fuss all you want, but it's happening. Yeah, but there was an actual tape that Jeff Lynne had produced and mixed down and everything that said, don't use this. Yeah. And then they later on for the remix version did find his version of it. Um, I don't know if he was the one who made the song choices, though. He may have got the whole concert mixed down and everything, and then Warner just decided, no, pick this, pick this, pick that. It made decide they weren't a big enough band to do a double album on at the time, too. No. Thank God. Because I don't like live albums. I'm not really a fan of live albums. No, not at all. Yeah. Well, also, and this is a fun fact that I was surprised to learn when we did our On the Third Day bonus tracks episode, that On the Third Day bombed in England. It didn't even chart. So since this album was released in the countries that aren't too far from England, Warner Brothers probably thought, just put like a, a track or two here from on the third day and just let's just kind of pretend that disaster didn't happen even though i don't have a problem with on the third day i don't have a big problem i like it fine but sales wise since it didn't even chart in england the record company is probably the one thinking well let's not uh, remember that disaster let's uh, pick some of the elo hits and some of the fun remakes and we'll put it on this album and just put it out that could have been the thought process too i've always heard the one that's on the record that I bought in 1985. And when I sent you the link to the song, it was the one that was on YouTube, which is from the CD that came later on. And I think it's like about a couple minutes longer, but there is stuff on it that was lopped off of the record version. And it was kind of a wise move, because when I got to that part, they go over and over and over again. As far as I'm concerned, it was for the best that that part was lopped out for the uh, record. I don't think you needed it in there. As 
far as the live version of this song goes, at least the needless stuff was cut out for the record version. Which kind of leads me to believe that maybe Jeff Lynne was thinking of this as a single live album type thing. Got something to say about the live version of In the Hall of the Mountain King? Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375 Call now! Great moments in Electric Light Orchestra history. Along with Jeff Lynne and Roy Wood came Bev Bevan, drummer for The Move and one of the founding members of ELO. As it really did begin as an experiment, we thought, wouldn't it be nice to go on the road with a group that has its own string section? And we thought at that time, wouldn't it be marvellous if there was a group that could actually go on stage and produce that sort of sound? And that was the first inklings of an idea. Although the idea sounded good, there were a lot of problems. At that time, no one had invented a way to properly amplify a string section. Well, it was only like two old battered cellos and a violin, you know. <laughs> it wasn't really like a mammoth production or anything. It was like pathetic, in actual fact. Uh, we thought we could do it, but we soon realised we couldn't, and that's when Roy decided he was going to form a group with saxes instead, which was much easier to amplify. <laughs> so with Roy Wood going one way, Jeff Lynne and Bev Bevan continued with ELO. Finally... Their manager, Don Arden, made a discovery. In my business travels, I heard about the new pickups that had come out, and I suggested to the boys that I was going to get them. And, of course, when I, I came back with them, they, they worked so beautifully. Like it? Hate it? What does Madeline think? Loved it, but I first to keep me out. Second, didn't. Wow, she liked it! Taste the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment Assorted Deli Meats Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word about the show by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast and get some goodies at patreon.com slash ELO pod next week episode 030 great balls of fire live bye bye